going to be in Isaiah 58 here in a minute. Isaiah 58, we'll read the whole chapter, which is not, not a terribly long chapter. Of course, this is in the Old Testament and still under the law and the prophet speaking. And the uh, Word of God says in Isaiah 58, 1, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily, and delight to know my ways, as a nation that did righteousness, and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. All right, so these are people that had a good history. They, uh, they got with the Lord. And uh, for a while, uh, they were faithful. Verse 3, paragraph Mark. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? He answers, Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure, and exact all your labors. Behold, ye fast for strife, and debate, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day, to make your voice to be heard on high. Is it such a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh, then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy rearward. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity and thy darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. That is the key. Not doing what you want, not saying what you want, but doing what the Lord wants you to do. Verse 14, Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken. And I want to preach this evening the heritage that feeds us, and how you can live up to it. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that you bear witness to the truth of your word. And Lord, we need the power of your spirit to help us to expound these things and talk about them and we sure need the power of your spirit to help us to live them. And I pray you help me do a better job of it. And I pray, dear God, that we'd be stirred up to live more dedicated to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to say tonight that God's people are clearly told how to maximize their wonderful heritage. Now, I, I'm not trying to steal something from the Jews. There is no doubt about it. This Isaiah chapter 58 is a Old Testament Jewish prophet speaking to the Jews, God's chosen people. Amen. I 100% agree and admit, I'm, I'm a dispensationalist, I, put, I divide the word of God, I put this where it belongs. But there are some real good spiritual things that we as Christians can take from this chapter still. And uh, I, I just want to talk about some of the things that, that I truly believe will be a blessing to you if you'll incorporate them into your life. 
Uh, first thing I notice is he's talking to my people. Now, in the Old Testament, there's no doubt it's the Jews. But in the New Testament, there's a spiritual application to us because guess what we are? We are his people. Amen. If you're here tonight and you're saved, you are one of God's people. Amen. You are one of his children. He, he has a claim on you, and I hope you have a claim on him. This is to my people. Uh, he, he comes right out and says in verse 1, uh, my people, their transgression. He is, we are his people in the sense that he is our God. This point in introduction is emphasizing the personal relationship with God. Step one for everything going in your life is your personal relationship to God. Amen. It, it's how you get saved. You come to know him, put your trust in him. It's how you live anything like a victorious Christian life. It's how you succeed at your job. It's how you succeed in your relationships. Every single thing is based on your relationship to God. Say, wait a minute, I know people that are a success with their family and a success in their business and a success in many other areas, and they don't know the Lord. Well, unfortunately, you just hold on a while. The last chapter of that book has not yet been written. It, it may look good right now, but without the Lord, nothing lasts. As the old poet said, nothing gold can stay. And as good as it might look with their family right now, and as good as it might look with their business right now, and as good as it might look in various areas of their life, their health, and this and that, nothing gold can stay. Without the Lord, it's not eternal. And in many cases, it doesn't even last your lifetime. All right, it's my people in that He is our God. It's my people in that we honor Him. Verse 13, we do not do our own ways or our own wants or our own words. Now, one thing I noticed early in my ministry is when you start talking like this, oh, how some people get deflated. You mean if I'm going to be a good Christian, I can't ever have anything I want. So, so let me preface this so I don't get that reaction. This is talking about taking a day and giving it to the Lord or a portion of your life and giving it to the Lord or fasting for a period of time. I recently had as good of a steak as I have ever had in my life, and I don't think I sinned in doing it. I'm not saying that you can't many, many times enjoy good food and good enjoyable times. I'm just saying be willing to take a portion of it, tell yourself no, delay your gratification, and maybe for one day, give it to God. I'm not saying anybody... Can't ever have any fun. That's the way that we are portrayed. But some of the most joyous, happy, pleasurable people you'll ever be around are people who will sacrifice a meal or a day or a portion of their income or a portion of something and give it to God because they love Him. Amen. And you know what He'll do? He will pay you back. You, you cannot outgive God. As soon as you hear somebody saying, what? You mean i got to give everything to him? You know you are not dealing with somebody that does many transactions with God. No. Because every time you enter into a transaction with God, not immediately. Now, I admit, not immediately. But before too long, in most cases, you realize you just got blessed. Mm -hmm. And if you've got a few years on you, you know good and well he's blessed you. Yes. So... My people, in that we honor Him, we, do, we are willing to take a day or some amount of time, tell ourselves no to everything we want to watch, everything we want to listen to, everything we want to say, everything we want to wear, everything we want to whatever, and just say, Lord, today or for this period of time that I've set aside, it's going to be 100% for you. And if you'll do that once in a while, you'll be surprised how you'll build up some muscles. Amen in a remarkably short amount of time. not saying ever, not saying always, but occasionally at least, and the more regular the better. Uh, we are His people in that He's our God, in that we honor Him, and in that we delight ourselves in Him. Look at verse 14. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. They like it. Whenever you're dealing with somebody going, Oh, no, you mean i got to give Him everything? You're not dealing with somebody that delights in the Lord. You're not dealing with one of his people. At least they're not in close fellowship with him. I'm 
not saying they're not saved. Saved people can get in such bad fellowship with the Lord, they don't resemble his people. Just like there are certain family members. Yeah, they may be biologically in a certain family, but they had not had any fellowship with their family in a long time. And that's the way it can get with the Lord sometimes. All right, so the first thing I want to say is, it is my people. All right, the next thing I notice from this chapter is uh, step one, after the personal relationship with God is established, the second thing is uh, there is an emphasis on preaching. And the beginning of the preaching is to preach against sin. Verse one, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. When you start preaching, one big part of it has to be Preaching against sin. That is a big part of it. It's not all of it, but it is is a good starting point. You know why? God is holy. We are sinful. If we are going to get ourselves ready for a relationship with Him, we're going to have to deal with sin. And we'll never deal with all of it. And I don't care how close in fellowship you get with God, you're still going to have plenty to deal with. I know the Lord real well. He and I spend a lot of time together. I wish I could tell you. And because me and Jesus do that, I just don't have any more problem with sin. (laughs) I would be lying and you'd know I was. I do spend a lot of time with him. And he and I have gotten real close. I am not exaggerating when I say that. But I'm also not exaggerating when I say I still have big troubles with sin. I don't mean little. I don't mean... Oh, well, I'm still about 5% off from perfection. I mean, I ain't even in the ballpark, man. Just because you get close to the Lord does not mean that you won't have big problems with big sins. They will always be there. One of the things that discourages me is I studied the Bible in the area that we're studying there in Genesis. I mean, even when Jacob and uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob are getting up in years. You would think, okay, well, they've pretty much defeated the flesh now. The old man is still there in them in those old age. That he just let me tell you about sin. It just is not going to let you go till you're dead. Amen. <laughs> you're not sure enough going to die to sin till you die, <laughs> physically and literally. So uh, one of the first things you have to do in preaching is you have to preach against sin. And uh, when you do this, it will not be popular with the world. They are not going to like it. 2 Timothy 2.19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. Talking about His people. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. If you name the name of Jesus, you ought to be in the process of departing from iniquity. Amen. Somebody might ask, does that mean sinless perfection? Uh, No, I think I've already covered that. You will not get there. But you ought to be departing iniquity. You ought to be in that process. You ought to be, you should have already begun that trip. You're not away from it yet, but you ought to be heading that direction. All right, uh, Luke 6, 26. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. When a prophet shows up and he is universally acclaimed and everybody loves him, he's a false prophet. That's true. Now there's always a Goldilocks rule in a lot of these a lot of these teachings, you know. You know how Goldilocks, some was too hot and some was too cold, and the other was just right, and one bed was too hard and one was too soft and the other was just right. <laughs> Well, let me tell you about our Lord Jesus. It's true this world despised him and they ended up crucifying him. But it's also true there's a lot of people that loved him. And if you live for the Lord, there's a Goldilocks place. There will be plenty of this world that hates you. There will be plenty of friends that will be very loyal to you and very loving to you. Patrick Henry said, uh, There is a just God who presides over the destinies of nations and who will raise up friends to fight our battles for us. And whenever you start living for the Lord, you will have opposition, boy, but you will also have help. That's just the way God makes it work. I've seen it in my own life. So preach against sin. It will not be popular with the world. Luke 16, 15, And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. 
You want to draw a big crowd? Just talk about that which is highly esteemed among men. But there's one problem. The Lord won't have anything to do with that ministry. Because <laughs> what they like is an abomination to Him. Uh, let's see, we got another one here. Galatians 1.10 For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. These uh, preacher boys, when they get preaching, some people are going to pat them on the back and tell them they're doing a great job, and they are. There will also be plenty of people that will not appreciate what they're preaching if they stay true to the Bible. And there will be a temptation to, to compromise. To It just feels good to be liked. You know, It does not feel good to make somebody mad. Preaching the Word of God, you're going to end up making some people mad. That's just the truth of it. I wish there was a way around it. It will not be popular with the world. Uh, I'll go even further than that. It will actually be hated by the world. John 15, 19, Jesus said, If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. John 17, 14, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So the first emphasis is on the personal relationship with God. The second emphasis is on preaching, mainly on preaching against sin. That will not be popular. But don't go to the extreme and think that means you'll be all alone. Once in a while you'll have to stand on your own, but not usually. Usually God will raise up friends to support you. That's, that's what you will usually find. But be strong enough for those times you have to stand alone. Uh-oh. Be strong enough for them, because there will be some of them. All right, uh, the next um, emphasis is the emphasis on fasting. If the first emphasis was personal relationship and, pre and the second was preaching, the third one is on discipline. As you grow in the Lord and have a personal relationship with God and hear some good preaching and can handle getting your sins preached against, the next one is for you to start working on yourself and you disciplining yourself. And it's basically this. Tell yourself no. Good. If you are a man or a woman, that can say no to yourself and others, you are an unusual person. Yes, and even if they don't exactly like you, they will respect you. Amen. And often, after somebody learns to respect you, they'll actually be attracted to you. Because they'll recognize there is something I can actually anchor to. There's somebody that will be a good friend to me. There's somebody I can count on. One of the griefs of my life, and I've said this for decades now, is people that I thought I could count on quitting. That is such a disappointment. I'm not talking about they sin. Brethren, sister, every one of us sin. If I was going to be disappointed in people sinning, I'd just go around disappointed all the time. All flesh is grass, okay? I'm not disappointed in somebody sinning. I'm disappointed in somebody quitting on God, getting out. That's what worries me. Pastor Bell used to quote to us, I remember him yelling this out, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. Boy, that's disappointing. Amen. And I'll tell you what will help you to get where you can stay faithful and stay with the Lord. Not perfect. Yes, you'll still sin. Yes, you'll have big problems with sin. But I'll tell you what will keep you close to Him a lot of times is being able to tell yourself no. Discipline. And one of the best places to practice some discipline is say, no, I'm not going to eat. <laughs> Ain't that a real good one? Oh, For some of us, it'd be, no, I'm not going to sleep. For some of us, it'd be, no, I'm not going to spend. <laughs> You find something that you can't seem to have any control over and tell yourself no. Set up some parameters so that you can't do that thing. And even if you do it some, have some delayed gratification in it. That's the concept behind fasting. So uh, the discipline emphasis, fasting, self-affliction, at least delayed gratification. That's found here in Isaiah 58 verses 3 to 6. And um, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 talks about this. He says, Every man that striveth for the mastery, 
is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. You know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to keep under your body. It wants something to eat, tell it no. It wants to be lazy, tell it no. It wants to spend on something that would please it, tell it no. I'm not saying you have to do that all day, every day. Some of those things it probably wouldn't hurt. But I tell you what you do need to do, you need to have a certain amount. You need to have a certain parameter, a certain time period, a certain limit on whatever it is you're disciplining yourself in and not let it go past that. Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Now your fasting, where you do completely without, now that we need to keep a little bit more discreet. We don't need to be bragging to everybody about how we're fasting. But anybody that's ever around us should know, okay, he's not... He's not just a slob. He just does whatever he wants. He has some discipline. He, he has some limits. Because it says, let your moderation be known to all men. That, that should be something that's obvious about you. All right, now, here's several things about fasting and this self-discipline thing. Uh, number one, it's not a pleasurable fast. Look at verse 3. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not. Now, they're not happy that the Lord isn't rewarding them more. Uh, there are plenty of Christians that quit on God for that reason right there. They feel like they've done more for God than He did for them. It wasn't a good transaction, you know. It wasn't a fair trade. <laughs> Can you imagine the God that gave you your soul and spirit, the God that gives you the very breath you breathe, the God that gives you every good thing that ever comes down from Him, especially that saved your soul and let you go to heaven to live forever and miss hell where you would have burned forever and then say he didn't give you a fair shake. The, the person has lost their mind. Amen. They can't even reason. But there are Christians all over the Bible Belt that will tell you right now that's why they quit. It just didn't work out for them. It didn't pay. Well, you, you, you got some problem in your accounting system. But uh, it's not a pleasurable fast. First of all, uh, in the day of your fast, he says at the end of verse 3, ye find pleasure. Uh, secondly, it is not a profitable fast. He says in the day of your fast, ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. That is, you know, you're supposed to not even uh, be earning money during that time. You're not supposed to make somebody else work during that time for for you to profit off of them. During the fast, you're supposed to fast and give that time to God. If you give something to God, give it to Him. Don't give it to Him with strings attached. Just give it to Him. So it's not a pleasurable fast. It's not a profitable fast. All right, verse 4. So this is for all the Bible-believing Baptists. It's not a persecuting fast. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate. <laughs> Prove your right. Man, oh man, do we have a good dose of that. <laughs> Me and my little group, buddy, we got it right. Our emphasis is right. No, if you're fasting, you do it for the glory of God and to be a blessing and a help to somebody, not because you want to prove you're right. Amen. If you died today and nobody ever got to explain how right you were, the cause of Christ would still be fine. Amen. <laughs> How right we are is um, of lesser importance. <laughs> he must increase, I must decrease. Amen. John the Baptist didn't say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean to tell me I've been plumb out in the desert in camel hair, eating grasshoppers, and I'm not getting credit for that? <laughs> he didn't say that. He said, I'm going to decrease. And you got to admit, he made some sacrifices, buddy. Oh, yeah. But you know what he got? Power of God. When he started preaching, here they all came. And there was so Roman soldiers coming to him. 
He's talking mainly to the Jews, but there was Roman soldiers came to him and said, and what do we do, John? <laughs> now, buddy, that's power. Amen. When's the last time you tried to give a gospel track and witness to a, to a military guy in uniform? They tend to be a little proud. Buddy, they came repenting to John. He had some power. It's not a pleasurable fast. It's not a profitable fast. It's not a persecuting fast. Uh, Philippians 1.15 and 16, Paul said, Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. Did you know you can preach Christ wanting to fight? Not sincerely. Mm. When you want to serve God, you're not interested in fighting. Now, I don't mean that you might not have to get in a fight. The Bible does say earnestly contend for the faith if somebody's teaching false doctrine. You should. But that's not what you're looking to do, and that will not mark as a pattern in your ministry if it's a sincere ministry. Not a pleasurable fast, not a profitable fast, not a persecuting fast. Here's a good one. It is not a proud fast. When you fast and you hold back and you try to serve God, closer you get to him, see how holy he is, and that light shines on you, and you see how dirty you are, you, there's not going to be any pride. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. I've heard Mama tell the story of when she was a little girl and they got electric lights out there on the mountain. First thing her mom and daddy did was go wash the walls. Because with those better lights, all of a sudden you could see how dirty that wall was. <laughs> and when you get the Lord Jesus Christ light shining on you, it, it, it gets real yeah, obvious how, true, how true, dirty true. you were. And something you did not see before, you let the light of Christ shine on you, and you see so many blotches and sins. One thing I'll guarantee, if you're close to Jesus, pride is not one of your battles. <laughs> you cannot be close to Jesus in that bright light and think you're clean. That, that does not happen in the in the most self-righteous standards fundamentalist stage I've ever been in. I had no pride about it. I was mad and ready to fight because I saw all the Christians was going that way. It wasn't because I thought I was right. It's because I saw they was going even further than what I was. Pride, you're not going to have any pride if you're anywhere near the Lord. It's not a proud fast. The Pharisee and the publican. Look at chapter 18. Let's look at that, that story and remember how that went. Oh, yeah. Luke 18, verse 9. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. i got to admit, I've never heard anybody pray like that in my life. <laughs> the most self-righteous person I've ever said, I've ever seen, wouldn't say that out loud. That's unbelievable. Praying with himself, God, I thank you that I'm doing so great. That is unbelievable. Verse 12, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Can you imagine thinking you would need to tell God that? I don't think it was God he was worried about talking to. I think he was wanting him around him to hear what all he did. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. All right, one more. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, verse 16. Moreover, when ye fast... Be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, look at it, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, 
anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto the fa thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. It's not a proud fast. So what kind of a fast is it? I'll tell you what kind of a fast it is. It's a productive fast. Let's look down at verses 6 and 7 and see what this fast produces when it's done according to God's direction. And shortly, the short version of it is, it's a blessing and a help to others. There's a personal relationship emphasis when he says my people. There's a preaching emphasis when he says to preach against sin. There's a discipline emphasis when he says to fast and afflict yourself. But there is a ministry emphasis when he says to bless and help others. You are missing one of the great blessings, as good of a blessing as I've ever experienced in my life, if you don't get actively involved in blessing and helping others. Amen. That is one of the best things you can do. If you can help somebody get saved or help somebody pay a bill or help somebody get over something or help somebody just feel better for a little while. You know, there are people that haven't felt good in a long time. And to have somebody just say their name and know they care about them and are thinking about them and praying for them sure feels good. Blessing and helping others. All right, let's look specifically at what it says. It says in verse 6, Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness? First thing he mentioned is freeing them from sin. When you preach against sin and you try to be a blessing and help to people living a clean life in front of them, it is not because you're just a proud Pharisee. Now, I covered the proud Pharisees. That's an issue. But that issue is wanting to brag about something you're doing. This is trying to loose the bands of wickedness. This is trying to help somebody. One of the best ways you can help somebody is encourage them to leave their sin. That is not pride. That is caring about somebody. Amen. If somebody is drifting into a nest of water moccasins, you're not being proud in warning them, don't go there, here's my hand, let me pull you out. That is not pride. Some of us, about 20, 30 years ago, saw the direction the Christians were all going. We saw they were headed right straight for the world, knew it was going to be a catastrophe. Guess what? 30 years later, guess what it is? A catastrophe. <laughs> it's a mess what the, what the churches, the shape they're in these days. <coughs> and by that, I mean the individuals in the churches and the families in the churches. And we was trying to stop them from it. And they're saying, proud, Pharisee, self-righteous, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'll admit, we all got, we're all human and we all have a little bit of that. But some of it was, we saw they was drifting too far from the shore and was trying to stop it. Spoiler alert, we failed. <laughs> they're, they're all in there getting eaten by water moccasins, I'll guarantee you. But be that as it may, blessing and helping others, first thing he mentions, freeing them from sin. Second, second only to that, look at the next phrase. Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness to undo the heavy burdens? There are plenty of Christians that are going around with a heavy burden. They are sad all the time. There is something in the back of their mind that they just really never get any relief from. And it sure is a blessing if you can free them from sin, number one, but second only to that, if you can free them from some sadness. Boy, that sure is a blessing. Amen. And if you've got a fast going that can free some people from sin, that's what you're praying about. But second only to that, you're wanting to free them from some sadness. Wow, that's a blessed thing. Number three. Verse six says, uh, Loose the bands of wickedness to undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free. You free them from some things. Oppressed. You know what it is to be oppressed? Sad. Frustrating. After a while you think, what's the use? I can't get free from this. Oh, if you can be a blessing and a help to somebody like that, you get a blessing that I can't explain. 
Out in the highways and byways of life, many are weary and sad. Carry the sunshine where darkness is rife, making the sorrowing glad. Make me a blessing, O Savior, I pray. Make me a blessing to someone today. Freeing them from sin, freeing them from sadness. Here's a good one. Feeding them. Uh, it goes on to say in, in the verse 6, let me read this phrase before I do. And that ye break every yoke. There are some heavy yokes on people. There are some people that are addicted to God knows what. And it's a yoke. And it's a heavy thing. God help us to pray people and some things that in many cases ain't their fault some circumstances came up there's just nothing they could do and they just got caught in it happened to me in some areas plenty of it is my fault too <laughs> let's just be honest but you know what it still feels good to get free doesn't it Amen. feeding them verse 7 says is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry it is ridiculous, the spiritual food that's been given to some Bible-believing Baptists that people all over this world don't have the least bit of. It's ridiculous, the things we know. And the best of our ability, let's share some of that bread with others. Amen. Gospel tracts, personal witnesses, giving our testimony, saying something for the Lord. Buddy, if you deal your bread to the hungry, and I'm speaking spiritually, but look, let me tell you something. It's a real good thing to give them literal physical food to go with it sometimes. Plenty of times, that's how the Lord Jesus did, wasn't it? That's how some of the prophets did, wasn't it? What a blessed thing. Deal thy bread to the hungry. Free them from sadness and free them from sin and feed them. Here's a good one. Friend them. Isn't it weird how this... What we do in social media, we call it friending them. <laughs> well, I'm talking about something a little more spiritual, a little more permanent than that. But friending them, because notice what it says at the end of verse 7. And that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house. Boy, that scares us to death in our culture, doesn't it? <laughs> now, you got to... When you're living in a place like, uh, you know, Abraham and Isaac sojourning in some of those dangerous places they were, you got to be careful, you know. We do have criminals out there. I don't want anybody to do anything unsafe. But it wouldn't hurt us to befriend more people. It wouldn't hurt us to give some food. It wouldn't hurt us to care. It wouldn't hurt us to fellowship and spend some time with some people that need to see how a Christian lives. There are a lot of people don't know how an old-fashioned Christian lived. Had never seen one. And that's a shame in the Bible Belt. That's the truth of it. Friend them. Bring them to your house. You say, well, this is Old Testament stuff, Brother Bob. You already said that. Well, let me tell you something. There's plenty in the Pauline New Testament about this. Listen to these verses. Romans 12.10 Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another prefer the other one. Romans 12, 13. Distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. Romans 15, 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Somebody else needs something? But you want something else? Okay, don't please yourself. Give them what they need. That's Pauline New Testament church. Yeah. There's no way around that. Amen. We can't dispensate that away no matter what we do. Romans 15.2 Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. 1 Corinthians 10.23 All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. You do even if something's lawful for you and it's not a sin, if it doesn't edify somebody and build them up, you should hold back on it, at least in front of them. By the way, notice it says, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good. Don't go do something just because your neighbor wants it and find out it's bad for him. <laughs> oh, me, well, this, this guy's bad to drink. Let me take him some whiskey. <laughs> no. For his good. <laughs> for his good. Be sure it's something good for him. Um, 1 Corinthians 
Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. You know what you're doing when you do that? You're trusting, all right, I'm going to help take care of them. I'm trusting God is going to take care of me. And somebody says, well, if I give so much, I don't even have to take care of myself. What is that saying? Well, first of all, most people don't go that far. But secondly, what you're leaving out in the equation is that God steps in and takes care of you. All right? Um, 1 Corinthians 10.33 Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. There's more. Listen to this. Philippians 2.3 Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. I mean, Paul beats this drum again and again and again. All right, so the ministry emphasis is blessing and helping others. Now, let's look at the blessing of God on you. So, well, you've been telling me all I have to do. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It gets real good for you, I promise. You are not going to serve God and be all frustrated that you just gave, 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 and never got anything. I don't care what some backslidden person in the Bible Belt says. I've done it. I've lived for Him. I've took hits for Him. I've took sacrifices from Him. And He has always showed up. All right, uh, here in Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, verse 8. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy rearward. All right? Light. You know what light represents? Joy. Darkness represents sadness. Light represents joy. I'll tell you something else it, re it represents. Discernment. People that don't have any direction, they don't know what in the world they're doing, they don't know where to go, it's like somebody stumbling around in the dark. But when a big light comes on, all of a sudden they can see exactly where they're going and where they were headed wrong before. What happens whenever you sacrifice like this and discipline yourself to fast and try to be a blessing to others? First thing, thy light breaks forth as the morning. There are times I get up early in the morning try to spend a little time with the Lord and I'll be surprised and I'll look up and it had been pitch black last time I noticed looking out the window. And all of a sudden, boy, it was bright and light coming in all the windows. What happened? Light broke forth as the morning. That's what happened. And I'll tell you what will happen in your Christian life if you'll stay faithful. There will be dark times. I mean, I ain't kidding you. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it will all be light and fun. No, there will be dark times. But then all of a sudden in one of those dark times, you'll look up and here will be the light just shining through. Mama used to say, you'll be in one of those times and then here will come the Lord walking on the water. And boy, I've found that true multiple times. All right, so light. Number two, health. Look at verse 8. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily. Now, we're all dying. Eventually, our health is going to fail, literally and physically speaking. But spiritual health. I'm, I'm spiritualizing this passage, as I've confessed from the very beginning. Although, sometimes he might bless you with physical health temporarily, but I'm speaking spiritually. The light breaks through in your health, and notice how quickly it comes. And thine health shall spring forth how? Speedily. There are a lot of people that think, well, wait a minute, I've gone too far. I've sinned too much. I, I can't go back to the Lord now. Listen, you don't know how he can turn things around. When that prodigal son that we refer to so often came to himself and headed home to the Father, he had a big, quick turnaround. From the hog pen to daddy's farm is big difference. You just go back to daddy's farm. It'll be a big, immediate, drastic difference. And he says your health will come speedily. And then the next thing, and we sure don't deserve this, glory. It says the glory of the Lord shall be your rearward. So you have the righteousness going before you and the glory of God behind you. That's the way to live. Amen. There are a lot of people that decide, oh, no, but if I do that, I'll lose money. Oh, no, but if I do that, I'll lose friends. Oh, no, but if I do that, I'll lose my family. And I'll admit there are a lot of things that sometimes the, the benefits of it 
don't justify the cost of it. But let me tell you something that is never that way. God. You live for Him, even if it costs you your family, which I hope it doesn't. But even if it does, you want to stay with Jesus. Don't you lose Jesus for anything. You be sure He is number one. If you lose the whole <coughs> cotton-picking family, keep Jesus. Now, don't, don't misunderstand. Usually you won't. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. You'll, be the right, you'll have the right kind of family relationships if you keep Jesus number one. But there are times. There are times it'll cost you. And if you want to be the disciple, you ought to be. It'll cost you everything. Salvation is free. Discipleship costs you everything you got. Every relationship, every dime, everything. One thing to be saved and have fire insurance, and that's real good. Believe me, I don't want to burn in hell, I'll guarantee you. I don't blame you for getting saved just for fire insurance. But if you want to be a disciple, that's a different thing. That costs you everything you got. You've got to be willing to lay that all on the line for Jesus. He won't, he won't, he won't usually take it all, but you've got to be willing to give it up for, for discipleship. All right, so light, health, glory. Philippians 4.1, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. He says, you're my joy and my crown. 1 Thessalonians 2.19, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Blessing comes on God for you when you live according to the principles, spiritual principles in Isaiah 58. All right, here's another good one. And this is, this is very much makes it worth living this way. Verse 9. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity. Isn't that something? Answer prayer. How would you like to be in a relationship with God where when you call, He answers? You call and He says, here I am. That's why you ought to live this way. Amen. That's why you make sure, number one, you've got the relationship with Him. Number two, you're good with preaching against sin. Number three, you discipline yourself. Number four, you try to be a blessing to others because blessings start coming on you and you and God are working side by side. And when you talk to the Lord, He's there. You know why a lot of people quit having their devotions? Because they get talking to the Lord and they don't sense Him there. You know why? personal relationship, not preaching against sin, not disciplining themselves and telling themselves no, and trying to be a blessing to others. But boy, if you do live this way, you get a close presence of the Lord. We live in that big old double wide right next to the church here. And that's a big, long thing, man. We lived in a little house before that, and if you was anywhere in the house and you call out somebody's name, they heard you. Over there, if you're in one end of the house and call out their name, they didn't hear you. <laughs> that was an adjustment. You know what probably is? We weren't close. If you're calling out God's name and he's not answering, a lot of times you and him aren't close. Close presence of God. Continued guidance of the Lord. Verse 11, And the Lord shall guide thee continually. Verse 11 goes on to say, And satisfy thy soul in drought. And make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. Continual guidance, continual peace. You know everything's handled. Uh, you're going to need some guidance. You're going to be sure that a certain way would be right, and that's not going to happen. And you're going, well, now what do I do, Lord? You better keep him close so he can guide you. Philippians 4 says it this way, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When I was a little boy and I was scared, if mom and daddy was just in the room with me, I wasn't scared anymore. I might have been scared some kidnapper was going to break in or whatever, but just the fact that they was there, all of a sudden all those fears went away. My kids, same way. 
when you're scared all the time and don't have any peace, you're not sensing the presence of God close to you. You're not sensing the Father there. Answer prayer and guidance. Then finally, blessings on children. Look at verse 12. They that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell. Some things that got lost a long time ago, all of a sudden you'll have a part in building it back, and a significant part. And you'll influence others to have a part in that. And that'll be a blessing. When you know you made a difference for God and for good, That'll mean a whole lot more than whether or not you have six figures in your retirement account. Deep down. It sure will. Blessings on children. Notice they have successful children. They that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Raise up the foundations of many generations. But they also have honoring children. Because it goes on to say, Thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach the restorer of the paths to dwell in. Notice not one place here does it say that you'll be called perfect. You'll sin, you'll mess up, you'll make mistakes, you'll let yourself down, you'll let other people down, you might be tempted to beat yourself up. I'm sorry, this side of heaven, you're not going to be perfect, but I tell you what you can be, you can be faithful. And when you are, long term, you'll be honored. Isn't that something that the Lord does that to imperfect people like like us? Sinful as we are, you want to do? Stay faithful. Blessing on children. Now, what guarantees this? On what basis do I teach this? Look at the end of chapter uh, 58, verse 14. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. You tell me a better guarantee than God said it. Amen. Don't tell me this isn't true. Because the last phrase I read in Isaiah 58 is, For the mouth of the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, hath spoken it. If he says it, it's settled. I don't care if you have a signed document. You know, I'm a credit manager. And we make these people sign this personal guarantee. You know, that they guarantee to pay what they charge. (laughs) You do not have to worry about a signed personal guarantee from God. His word is the most sure thing there could ever be. Sure things. Peter said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. It doesn't get more sure than what's written in this Bible. Powerful things. Jeremiah 33.3, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. Thou knowest not. Wonderful things. When God says things, they're wonderful. Open mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. That is Isaiah 58. And that is how you can maximize the heritage that you have. Number one, personal relationship with God. Get saved and live close to Him every day. Number two, preach against sin. Number three, discipline yourself. Number four, be a blessing and a help to others. If you do those things, the blessings start rolling in. And they're guaranteed by nobody other than God Himself. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that You'll take these things and help us, Lord, to realize the truth of them and 